Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the dairy state. We, of course, are your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ. And uh, today we have a great episode lined up for you. We are talking about the invention of the typewriter which none of us use anymore unless you are (laughs) extremely hipster or if you're doing some sort of reenactment kind of thing. Urban Outfitters sells them, so. Urban Outfitters (laughs) does, which you know they're the uh, number one supply chain for everything hipster. Hipster and hobo clothing. Yeah. So So we are talking about Christopher Latham Scholes and the invention of the typewriter. We also have great Wisconsin music from a band called Rex. We have a brew review and another edition of How Many Locos You Went. And we have a special guest interview today as well. So uh, remember, please uh, rate, uh, like, review, do all the things on all the other things and all those media things and the socials and Facebox and whatnot. Uh, those are uh, very important things to us. So if you haven't subscribed and you haven't liked or followed us, please do. Uh, We are on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and then we also have a YouTube channel as well. So uh, go on there and uh, please to be doing that. Uh, Our new website is officially launched as well. I'm not sure if any of you have noticed. It is now WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com. Very easy for you to... uh, to navigate to now it's the same name as our damn show yeah so, it's great it has links to the show at uh t public shop yeah pretty much everything just a little background on us and, yeah and and what's really cool is the more uh uh volume that we get there the more traffic that runs through the store to go through to those other things uh links to uh the youtube links to the t public as russ said uh the more we have you go through there uh the better it just you know yeah, gives us more direct and- traffic so uh, awesome. Honestly, honestly, without any further ado, let's just jump right into the story of uh, Christopher Latham Scholes. So when we use a computer or a phone, we are using what is known as the QWERTY or QWERTY keyboard. What you probably don't know is this is done right here in our backyard in Wisconsin by a man named Christopher Latham Scholes. This is in my backyard. Yep. He uh, was typing it up in your backyard. Born on January 9th of 1856 in Mooresburg, Pennsylvania. From a young age, he was into printing. Scholes moved to nearby Danville, where he was a printer. After gaining all this knowledge, Scholes would move to Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1837, and later to Southport, Wisconsin, which is actually now Kenosha. Oh, wow. It used to be called Southport. Southport sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so in Kenosha, he started a newspaper publication called the Kenosha Telegraph. Scholes also worked as an editor in 1845 for Southport Telegraph, which was a small operation in the Kenosha area. He is very well known for his uh, subject on a previous episode we talked about, James J. Strang, the uh, Mormon pirate. Oh, Mormon pirate, yeah. uh, Who, like stated before, was a prophet um, in the Voorhees, Wisconsin area, Burlington area, in which uh, he... 
unearthed Mormon artifacts, which were actually three minuscule brass plates that he found and translated. So wow, yeah. So we all know where this leads, and yeah. uh, this became known as the Vorty Record, which is which he's actually well known for. It's probably one of his biggest articles and you know explanation. He actually wrote great words, and uh, obviously did not know the full extent of the horrors that Strang was committing at the wow. time. I mean, he he only met them personal. He right. doesn't know all the events like this happened later on. Yeah, don't shoot the messenger. Exactly. So Scholes also served in the state legislator, legislature and uh, was a well-known politician of the time. But let's get into what this episode is truly about, the typewriter invention. Awesome. Typewriters had been around for quite some time and have links to uh, early machines that, like su- such as the 1714 one by Henry Mill. There have been many others along the way that were that were built off of this one. Scholes, who became an editor in the Milwaukee, was in, was in the midst of striking at the printing press, so he wanted to work out a new machine for typesetting. His initial designs were a lot of failures, and he actually decided to abandon the idea in the beginning. However, through a different route, he came up with a first idea by wanting to number the pages of books, tickets, and so on. He began work on his numbering device in Milwaukee along with a fellow printer, Samuel W. Show. After trial and error, they finally patented a numbering machine on November 13th of 1866. And all it would do is just put like your, it was just numeric. There was no alpha. It was just numeric only. Gotcha. So Scholl and Soul. Scholl they couldn't and Soul. They couldn't have found, Scholl's and Soul. They, they couldn't have found two men with uh, almost exactly the same names here. Scholl's and Soul shoes. Yeah, Scholl's and Soul hole, Soul, Soul hole. <laughs> After Scholes and Soul showed their idea to Carlos Glidden, a lawyer and inventor who was at the time working on mechanical plow ideas, Glidden was wondering if the same numbering technology used on the previous device could be used in both to make it alphanumeric. Further driving them to come up with an idea was an article in the Scientific America talking about the Terra Type, a prototype typewriter designed by John Pratt. After reading the review, reviewing the idea, Scholes decided it is far too complex to replicate and build but figured out he could make his own. And from the derived tarot type, he came up with a typewriting machine, or what we know today as a typewriter. Scholes, Soul, and Glidden, who would go on to produce the idea, they phrased a literary piano. The first model that was the trio built with a keyboard literally resembling a piano. It had black black and white keys. Right. So a piano makes music. Typewriter is that literary type piano. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, kind of a cool name for it. Definitely. And uh, it was laid out in two rolls. It did not contain keys for the num- uh, the numerals zero or one because they could use the letters O and I as a uh, d- that they deemed sufficient to kind of save more space on the typewriter. Wow, that would be <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and they patented they patented this idea on June third of eighteen sixty eight, and on June Ju- on July fourteenth of the same year, the first document was produced out of this this machine, which was a contract with the city of Milwaukee actually for the wow. typewriter. The machine received some praise but was highly criticized. Discouraged, Soul and Glidden left the idea to Scholes, who enlisted James Denmore from Pennsylvania, who had written hundreds of letters on other machines and actually wanted a share without seeing the machine in person after he heard about it. But after using the machine, the stenographer that would criticize it but would also prove beneficial for the future of the future of typewriters and typewriting technology at the time. And uh, after many other criticisms, including James E. Clefane of Washington, D.C., causing Scholes to lose his temper, but he regained composure and took the advice given to him and kept trying to improve the machine. 
and after being approached by Remington, yes, the Remington, the, the gun corporation who owned, Yeah, they used to make a ton of other stuff too. Yeah. In 1873s, Scholes sold out the idea for $12,000. But Denmark Denmore who was his partner would not you know, he would not part with his share in uh, Sure, he believed he in truly the believed in the machine, yeah. And thinking this would eventually earn him $1.5 million in the long run. They had about 50 machines that sold for $250 each, about $5,000 in today's market for a typewriter at the time. And after selling out, Scholes returned to Milwaukee and decided that he was going to work on the newer idea based on feedback and things he knew he wanted to improve on. As we all know, the QWERTY keyboard, which we talked about, that we all use today, and what I used to actually write this episode. Yeah. He started its development in 1873. Densmore, who was suggesting splitting up the commonly used letter combinations in order to solve the jamming problem caused by the slow keystrokes of the hammer to to their resting position. So if you like, if you're typing really fast, the words you're going to use more commonly are probably more towards the center. Sure. And like the, that's why there's the keyboard we have today and why it's kind of everything's all over the place. Right. Right. So, um, and, and now it's actually the most common used, um, format of keyboards used in both English languages and, and on computer keyboards today. Yeah. It's the only one I know. Yeah. And obviously, you know, with computers, we don't have to worry about the jamming issue, obviously, but that format has stayed the same. Well, I don't know. Apple time. got, Apple got in some hot water with, uh, one of their keyboards in the uh, Mac uh, MacBook Air not that long ago. Really? What was it out of order? Uh, just the it, it because it was such a slow or such a short stroke to the from the button to the actual mechanism underneath that that sends that uh, to the computer. Uh, apparently, it uh, it just it, it after long periods of use. It's not as sensitive anymore, so it doesn't. I could see that. I mean, I've yeah. had a few of them that were like pencil thin yeah. keyboards from uh, Mac. So. Yeah, so they had to update that. <laughs> but Scholes died on February seventeenth of eighteen ninety, after battling the common tuberculosis outbreak and battled with it for nine years. He's actually buried at Forest Home Cemetery here in Milwaukee. And today we owe so much to this legendary Wisconsin figure. And uh, there has actually been a monument that's been erected by the Wisconsin Historical Society, which you can go and visit. Yeah. And he's just another brilliant, eccentric person who lived in our state and contributed much to the development of uh, modern technology we see today. So, yeah. I mean, you know, me, I'm, I'm quite a writer. I have to write for work. I use my keyboard often. I can type over 100 words a minute, you know, so it's pretty important to me that this... Not always accurately. No, um. sometimes no. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's funny because, like, I remember having to take, take typing classes and, yeah. like... You know, when I could type 80, 90 words, that was like a big deal back then. But now it's like I'm so used to it. it it's hard to explain. It's just like uh, naturally ingrained in my brain now that I can type super fast. But yeah. I know where every stroke is. It's like it's like learning an instrument. It is. So, yeah. It, it's not having to look down at uh, at your left hand playing you know guitar anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. piano, same thing. I mean, you can eventually get so good. At, <laughs> <laughs> I hunt and peck on that, too. Okay. But yeah, that's going to conclude the uh, main segment for today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to learn more, definitely go over to like the Wisconsin Historical Society. There's actually quite a few books on Wisconsin history. Just feel free to pick one up and learn more. Obviously, you know, we, we have to kind of compact our episodes. Exactly. So we, it's like we can't go into every single detail yeah, on we, our podcast. We hit on most of the important uh, uh, highlights, uh, but, you know, certainly there's a lot more out there. So we encourage everybody, uh, again, like Russ said, uh, hit up the Wisconsin uh, Historical Society uh, and also just your local library. 
And that's going to conclude the main segment. Now on to our music segment. All right. Thanks, Russ. Yeah. And so today's music segment is actually the band Rex. And that's three X's. Triple X Rex, baby. Uh, These guys are uh, uh, sort of like a alternative uh, and and like definitely on that like heavier, like punk ish, punk rock ish kind of feel. Yeah, definitely good stuff. Um, It's a quick song. Which, hey, you know what? Uh, a few of the old punk rock artists from like the 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s, they basically said, play as loud and as fast as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, songs were, you know, like 40 seconds. Uh, this song is a little longer than that. But I encourage everybody, go check out the rest of their catalog, uh, the rest of their songs. It's absolutely, it's, it's cool. And it's uh, yeah, with yeah. the weather turning uh, a little bit more towards the nice side. Uh, this is perfect music to be uh, listening to outside uh you know and and having a little backyard get together so again this is rex and the song is hit and run try to say what i need i never get it out when i can see that i can bleed i put my knife down i got time i would love to see you don't feel bad baby there's nothing you can do say that hasn't been already uh shown in that song right there the the nice thing is russ that even in our heyday of you know writing punk rock pop punk music uh, alternative style music and stuff we were never like that and they did it uh like flawlessly it seems and super easily it's like they didn't even break a sweat in that song i honestly love the name like all i can think of right now is like a t-rex with tassels on like jurassic park strip club here comes a Velociraptor going around the pool, baby. Right. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I can't even. It's such a cool name and it's such cool music. And I think yeah. that might have even been one of their album covers. The same Velociraptor yeah. doing a doing a lap. Right. Jurassic Park uh, strip club. Oh, hey, that's yeah. one of their albums. You want know, right, to get yeah. a lapper from them? But Oof. yeah, anyway, Rex, absolutely awesome music. Go check them out. I know that they're on uh, uh, some sort of socials. I reached out to them, I think, initially uh, in the Instagrams. So uh, hit up Instagramma and uh, uh, listen to some of their stuff. Follow them. Absolutely awesome music. 
bringing yeah. great stuff to the state of Wisconsin. We now have a awesome beverage review ski here. Um, Russ, why don't you give us a little rundown here? Yeah, so Eric, I don't know where you got this one at. The can's freaking cool. It's yeah. like it's it feels like, like whole, sherbet. It looks like a sherbet scoop of really sherbet, honestly. Like goes yeah. from pink to yellow in a transitional state. Um, but this one's actually brewed in Nina, Wisconsin, from uh, Sherbert and Ernie. Um, the ABV is six point five percent ABV. It is a milkshake IPA from Barrel Forty One. Barrel Forty One. That's true. Sorry, not sh- the the name of Sherbert. The, the name Ernie. of the beer is Sherbert. It's not and Sherbert Ernie. and Ernie Brewery, by the way. It's Barrel Forty One. <laughs> I just was being a dumbass. So no, you're cool. Okay, um, I'm cool. It's, <laughs> it's it's a milkshake IPA, and um, it's actually. Has uh, Citra Mosaic and uh, Nelson Sauvin hops, which is like one of those ones you don't hear of often. That one's not in a whole lot of uh, uh, no brews, but it's kind of a softer. Um, it's a more mild thing. Yeah, and it says rather uh, complex beer brewed with simpler things in mind contains lactose, and uh, you're definitely getting that sherbet taste. Yeah. At least I am. Oh, for sure. Um, the other thing that we wanted to let everybody know is, according to the Surgeon General. Uh, women should not drink <laughs> alcoholic beverages during pregnancy uh, because of the risk of birth defects and uh, consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car. More on that later. <laughs> More uh, hot topic here. So, uh, but yeah, Sherbert and Ernie, uh, the really cool thing about this can, again, Russ said uh, it's wrapped in a beautiful label uh, going from pink to a shade of orange to a shade of yellow. Uh, like Sherbert, as as Russ kind of already said, and the name of it is Sherbert and Ernie. Yeah, little little uh, Bert and Ernie, little, little Bert and Ernie, like literally out. sitting right underneath that. And the cool thing is brewed in Nina, Wisconsin, one of our favorite places with the Nina Foundry there. So yeah. really cool that this one exists. The cool thing about these beers specifically is they they give you the barrel number that this was actually produced in on oh. the can, which is really cool. It like tells the number right here. It's yeah, just batch really numbers or something. Yeah, it's the batch number, so you know if you're having the same batch number, you're probably gonna get a consistency out of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you're getting that sweetness up front. You're getting like almost well, it, like it, a fruit. Like the fruit's coming through really hard, and obviously you're getting that lactose, a little bit of that lactose in there. Yeah, and I think that that's the the neat thing about before 2020, maybe maybe 2019. I hadn't really ever seen anything called a milkshake IPA before. It kind of took off. Exactly. Was... The hazies and milkshakes really just came out of nowhere and became the most popular thing that there was. Before that, a lot of people just kind of drank normal IPAs, New England pale ales, and like doubles, double IPAs or double New Englands. Um, yeah, I mean, it, these are just really inventive beers. I love them. Uh, milkshakes uh, and hazies are easily becoming uh, some of my favorite drinkables. Yeah, you're getting that like sweetness, but you're also getting a back bitterness from like the IPA. Exactly, because it's still an IPA. It's definitely balanced out very well, and I'm really I'm interested. It's, it's in a this. six point five. Uh, I think did you mention that? Yeah, I did. Six point six point five is, is 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 you know it's it's a normal IPA kind of. It's sits like right APA in that range for sure. Yeah, but I'm really interested in the Nelson Sauvin hops. I've actually never heard of them and I've never used them in uh, home brewing. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it must be like, um, they're restricted access to it. Probably. Something. But, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, from, from other beers that I've had with them, uh, they're, they're not as, uh, uh, hoppy. Like they're not as pungent as, uh, like, galaxy and, and mosaic and citra yeah yeah i mean they're definitely in there but you're it's like you're getting that sweetness bitterness a, balance a, it's a, it kind a beautiful of, softness is yeah what it, i'll say it balances and you're getting like almost 
it's like a it, the fruitiness is hard to explain, but you're definitely getting that sherbet flavor, like almost citrusy a little bit, and then you may be getting a sweeter fruit coming through too. Yeah, and I can't quite put my finger on it. It's it's super tasty. Though. Looks like your whole hands on it. Mm. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, great, great beer. Uh, I haven't actually had anything uh, from uh, Barrel Forty One other than this, so I'm excited to check it out. And I, uh, I definitely encourage all of you to to go at least grab this one and maybe just take a gander at some of the other ones that they offer. And if you're in the Nina area, check them out. Check them out. Yeah, and we we definitely have them on the show in future episodes. So please stay tuned to that. Awesome. All right, everyone, it's that time again. How many locos are you at? <sighs> <laughs> we, had little little, follow we had a little after effect there aftershock oh man we got a good one today yeah uh so uh just by judging uh this man's picture he uh, he's on some stuff he, he wanted to be a wwf wrestler but he failed miserably. yeah it looks like somebody's squeezing him really hard <gasps> and his eyeballs are <laughs> he looks like a local like how we intro the song out. like like yeah. intro our segment here yeah, his eyes are bulging out. <laughs> as as always, we we don't uh, we don't say the names and we don't release pictures or anything of these individuals. So I'm sorry that you can't enjoy uh, this uh, image with us as well. But that is how it is. Uh, this is from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. A man who may have purchased a motorcycle to avoid an ignition interlock device Ooh, now faces his tenth drunk driving charge after crashing said motorcycle a week ago. And uh, that's not a week from today. It's, you know, a week from whenever this thing was written. But uh, the individual who is 52 years old made his initial appearance in Winnebago County Court Wednesday afternoon where a $25,000 cash bond was set. Uh, He returns to court September 3rd for a preliminary hearing. Uh, According to the criminal complaint, Fox Crossing Police discovered a motorcycle on the side of the road shortly before 3 a.m. And that was uh, August 20th. Uh, the officer noticed the rear tire was dug in a pile of dirt and was a du- what? Yeah, in a that, pile. That's of dirt. not written right. Yeah, it definitely messed it up. It was dug in a pile, and of dirt. there's a pile of dirt that was behind it. Mm-hmm. Got it. As if this motorcycle got stuck and he was trying to go over the curb, uh, and the driver attempted a hard acceleration to go over the curb. <laughs> so that is why there is a, uh, a a collection of dust behind the the motorcycle so essentially he's doing a gigantic brake torque so they they probably found him in the ditch yeah in that case i don't even know if they found him in the ditch i don't even know where they found this guy it was probably registered to him and and they probably got him afterward so uh, uh after police got a warrant a blood sample was taken a preliminary breath test had a result of 0.135 that's not bad that's a good. That's a good. <laughs> that's not that's, bad <laughs> for driving. It is. Yeah. Uh, the individual had an absolute sobriety order, obviously, due to oh, his man. ten DUIs uh, or nine, I think, pr- prior to this. So uh, he did have an occupational driver's license, which is nuts to think. If you have that many OWIs, it's crazy. You, you should just be fully revoked, lifetime revoke, uh, and. Um, yeah, so uh, one of one of the uh, individual's friends actually told police that uh, this guy bought the motorcycle a few weeks ago, and uh, it would it does not have a breathalyzer device um, like his truck does. Well, so like he's just trying to get out. He's of clearly the telling other people oh, yeah. his his you know criminal intent to you know try to drive without having uh, the breathalyzer, the intoxilock, or whatever the hell they call it. Um, 
Here is a list of his previous drunk driving offenses. We've got September 5th, 2011, January 18th, 08, March 10th, 2006, January 14th, 03, July 13th, the year 2000. It's a Y2K one there. August 25th, 98, <laughs> January 23rd, 95, December 1, 1990, and May 5th, 89. This guy has been doing it since the second year I was in, in existence. It like, seems like every, every three years he's getting one. This, this guy is uh, more consistent than uh, the Brewers are. Oh, yeah. What I'm going to say right now is... Uh, so we got a lot of information on this one, though. Yeah, it doesn't appear that this, this individual is a, um, a local drinker. No, he's not a local drinker. He's just one of those people. I think like, he's. Oh, I think he's like whiskey, hard alcohol. Oh, Jack, Jack and Coke. Yeah, Jack and Coke guy, maybe he rum and Coke. Screams of like JDs. Jack and yeah, exactly. He's a so JD guy. We um, we can't necessarily know exactly what that equates to, but we're going to do our best scientific evaluation of the situation in order to give you guys the most accurate understanding of <laughs> booze to loco uh and and really kind Conversions. of in, interpret it that way so, so we what do we got here we got a 0. 0.135, 0. 0.135 initial 52 year old man experienced 52. yep nine nine priors this so be he, his tenth. he has some tolerance yeah so the 0. 0.135 let's say somebody like me were to get a 0. 0.135 that's probably four or five beers i'm thinking in, in like a really short period of time. yeah in a short period of time it's four or five beers for a guy my size um this guy's a little bigger than i am so, uh, what do you think a local equates to in beer? If you had to do a conversion table, uh, one local, two, three to, beers? To a regular standard, like light beer, I would say it's probably about two and a half to three beers. So, three beers. And I'm, I'm guessing this guy's a point one three five. He has some tolerance buildup, so he's probably at about a six, six beers, seven beers maybe. Sure. So, I, I got my number. I don't know if you got your number in mind. I have definitely thought this one through. It's pretty, pretty messed up. Yeah, I think... Okay, uh, let's just go ahead and on three. Yeah, let's say our our not the amount of cans, but just the, the local, local the local level. Yeah, right. Yep. Okay. Okay. One, two, three, Ten. twelve. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So maybe we're, we'll in the, to, we're in the neighborhood. I, you were at you were at the the two and a half. Yeah, because I was thinking just the conversion rate. Yeah, I was um, thinking three just to pull it up. But I think to get meat in the middle, we'll say eleven loco, which is an yeah. odd number loco. This is our first odd loco here. Yeah. So. He probably spilled the <laughs> remaining part of the can of loco while he's doing that curb, uh, curb uh, burn out there. But no, I mean, like we always say, you know, please don't drink and drive. We don't want you on our show. This is just, you know, it's a wall of shame, basically. Like we don't want yeah. citizens driving drunk. We're and sort of, themselves. we're sort of highlighting uh, the hum- the hum- humiliator humu- humiliation. Yeah. Is that the word you're going for? Something there? like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we're we're really just highlighting the the stupidity uh, and the humiliation behind all of the 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 things that Wisconsinites you know sometimes tend to do, and we don't necessarily want to uh, see you here. But uh, you know, if you do, we're going to read about it. I'm, I'm not going to say name. your name, right? Exactly. But you listening will know because these incidents that we do pick out are, are pretty very ridiculous. Notable. So, so I'm going to go ahead and sound the gavel. We are local. at eleven lokes. All right, today we're here with Chris and his wife from yeah, Wizard of Jenny. Brewing. Jenny, Chris how, and Jenny, how, how are you guys ya? doing? Yeah, great. How's it going? Not too bad. So we're just looking at some information. We're just trying to find out a little history of how you guys got started. All right, I'll jump on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I have I have been uh, home brewing now for 
35 years or so. And I started back in Denver when there was no such thing as a brew pub did not exist. Uh, I was there for the opening of, of the very first one. And, uh, and I saw it and it was revelatory to me. I mean, the experience of being able to have beer in an environment that was dedicated to that because everything before that was a sports bar. Yeah. Yeah. This was so this was just phenomenal. And I said, I want to do this. I was like when I was 25, I said, by the age of 30, I want to do this. And when I was 30, I said, 35 by 35, I want to my own place. <laughs> and when I was 35, I said, 40 is the right time for me to get into this. And when I turned 55 a few years ago, I realized I didn't have that many more five year segments of my life left right. to me. And so. And so Jenny told me, said, well, if you want to get serious about this, let's get serious about this. And uh, and so she was there helping guide along, uh, taking a look at places and trying to figure out how do we finish that last mile of, you know, we might know how to do certain things, but how do we how do we do the business contacts? Uh, we ended up joining a brewery incubator program, Barley to Barrel here, which helped uh, give us a lot of contacts in the industry and helped with things like who, who do you talk to about insurance and what do you have to look for? Stuff like that. That's really and, cool. Uh, yeah. And so this is kind of what, where it all came out of. I've also been a professional magician for 40 years, performing oh. around the country. <laughs> I was actually just going to ask where the name came from, so this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I am the wizard, and uh, and I brought my love of magic and my love of beer together. And Jen has uh, pretty much been the person who has the the maximum focus on customer service and is my human interface device because I do need that from time to time. <laughs> Absolutely. Heck yeah. 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 Trust me. We understand that we've been looking for social manager for a while to help yeah. us with that stuff. Cause we just, we just don't have that presence or the knowledge. So it's, well, and, and you know, it's, it's all about time too. I mean, you only got so many hours in a day and can only do so many things from writing episodes to, you know, all this other <laughs> yeah, stuff. Exactly. I'm sure you have to focus on, you know, getting, getting the beer done and making sure that those other deliveries of all of the uh, important materials and brewing are there as well. So, um, it really sounds like it's a, it's a partnership that, that that's awesome. You too. guys lean on each other, uh, so much. So, so, so yeah, Jenny and Chris, um, I was going to ask too, do you guys have a beer recommendation for any of our listeners? Like one we have to go and try right away. Yes, actually, the um, our our top beer can um, what has become our flagship beer is known as the Wizard's Wrath. Okay, it's a strong English ale, um, and it's got it's got a a strong hot presence that's balanced out nicely by uh, caramely malty um, presence. So you're getting uh, you're getting a lot a lot of IBUs, but uh, they are they are delicately enrobed in some other roasty caramely flavors. That sounds really good. What what uh, sort of hops are we ex- expecting in this one? Uh, I'm using a boatload of Chinook, uh, but then there's also uh, I have a little bit of Fuggle on the end from dry hopping to give okay. us uh, just some some more of that of that English hop flavor and hop aroma. Right. So uh, and also some Willamette, which is uh, which is essentially like a Fuggle outgrowth. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. actually, you know, we, we're used it to sounds the... like a personal problem. Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> yeah. sounds like you need to see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always laugh about the name Fuggle too. It reminds me of like Fraggle Rock or yes. something like Fuggle Rock or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's always we've always made like an reminds English me of Harry Potter. Englishes and stouts <laughs> that we've made have included Fuggles. Yeah, some of the ones that we've done. So Fuggles are Muggles that are exactly that really just never get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Muggles. <laughs> yes. Always watch out for Fuggles. <laughs> 
And yeah, so we were going to ask too, since Chris, you're from Denver area. Have you ever been out to Fort Collins? Yeah. Okay. That's like our brew heaven. We've, we've both been there and love that place. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, as you've, as you've been there before, uh, the, the little town that's, that's there, everything is just so neat. And the, the beer is, is absolutely just, uh, breathtaking. Yeah. (laughs) Now I haven't been back there many, many years, but uh, yeah, but Fort Collins was always was always a fun, funky place. Yeah, and well, you know, it was a college town. So. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> they have a, they have a full brewery district now. It is. It's, it really it's is crazy. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. I would say it, you know now's the time. Uh, you know when 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 we get back to kind of a little more normal, uh, that's a town. You know, I think both of you would enjoy. Uh, you know, you know, uh, it, with with uh, even probably more so than we did. I mean, we just love tasting beer, but yeah. you guys would have probably yeah. more of an appreciation for it. But yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that uh, you had uh, your wife, Jenny, to, to just say, hey, you know, 55, you know, that this is the time. Then you, you, you just got to do it. I um, said um, my grays are rapidly outnumbering the reds. So we, we're running out of five-year chunks. Yeah. <laughs> if we're going to do it, we got to do it now. I'm, I am slowly getting gray, so I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I came in like really fast. Like all of a sudden I woke up one day and said, who the hell is that in the mirror? And I'm like, Oh, that's me. (laughs) Oh man. My reflection's changing again. It it started behind the ears and it's slowly moving outward to the rest of my head. So I'm just, (laughs) that sounds awesome. That's all right. As you get older, it migrates down off your head, down your back. Exactly. (laughs) Silverback gorilla. South to the winter. Well, then the hair just moves completely. It's like, it's not on your, head at all it starts slipping lower it's like where's the hair going oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i absolutely love the idea uh and i know russ and i would uh would would just just also assume that uh you know we become brewers and and kind of live out our dreams but uh we're we're gonna keep doing the five year chunk thing for a minute. Yeah, and honestly, the the podcast is more of just to bring out the word of all these breweries that are popping up. More than anything, we wanted to promote Wisconsin as much as we could, which yeah. is why we started this thing in the first place. And we're so glad to have you on. Um, but I mean, be, but before, oh, I'm sorry. we really appreciate the opportunity. It was so great for you guys to reach out to us. This y- is so fun. Yeah, we've actually had a few of our listeners reach out about you guys, which is why I contacted you. We're like, we got to yeah. get them on the show. So nice. But before we let you go, we wanted to ask you a few questions to find out how Wisconsin exactly. are you? Just how Wisconsin are you? <laughs> We're talking born and raised, so go ahead. All right. So the first question I got, uh, what do you consider to be up north Wisconsin? Oh, gosh. Um, red granite. Um, I consider it uh, anything that's uh, north of Madison. Okay. Uh, see, yeah. I, yeah. For me, up, up north, you got to go a lot further. I mean, you got to go at least three hours out of Milwaukee to be up north. Yeah, yeah that's about well, that's right. Actually, yeah, I mean, that's that would be kind of the Monaco area. I mean, you'd be hitting somewhere up there. And I love that you mentioned. <laughs> I love that you mentioned the red granite because basically, where that red granite starts is what I consider true up north because it starts yeah. around you know a little south of Wausau actually. Yeah. But it goes all the way north up until Superior. So it, it, it's, it's got a big reach. <laughs> it, it it does. Well, I mean, it's really just north of where you are. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, look, we've talked on previous episodes. I mean, when we were kids, Wisconsin Dells was up north. Exactly. You know, it's, oh, yeah. And that's really central Wisconsin, basically. The so. line is always changing, you know. <laughs> okay. Have either of you tailgated at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Uh, all of them? Some of them. 
I I've done Brewers and Packers. Okay. Okay. And then and then I I have done I have done uh, Brewers, Packers, and Badgers. Oh, the trifecta. Hey, Jenny. Be- between the two of you, yeah. trifecta. There <laughs> yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah. So, have you ever been to Sum- Summerfest? And do you have a memorable band that you saw there? Um. Yeah. Actually, there was a summer where I was working at the comedy stage. Okay. And my pass allowed me to get into all of the concerts at the amphitheater that year. So I saw. Uh, I saw Depeche Mode. I saw the B-52s. I saw Violent Femmes. Um, Anybody who was there, we just, we just walked in through the back gate. um, Right. That's amazing. (laughs) And I I went in 1981 and saw Newgrass Revival playing with Bela Fleck when he just first joined. And I was so blown away. That's awesome. I went out and I bought a banjo. And so I've been playing banjo all this time, all because I went to Summerfest and by accident, since it was just an open seat, I got to see this. No way. <laughs> That's so cool. That's awesome. I love <laughs> banjo is just a, a it, it literally is one of those just like on Christmas morning feelings. When you hear that in a song, it, I just I perk up instantly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to ask, too. So both of you are have you are you both from Milwaukee? Yes. So have you guys, either of you, closed wall skis? Yes. Okay, awesome. I, yeah. I have closed wall skis. <laughs> yeah. On it's numerous occasions, and a... I remember most of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. You don't, you don't want to you don't want to leave wall skis and think, did I close that or not? <laughs> I don't, that, not really sure. I can't remember. <laughs> and So the next question we got, um, if, if we make a beer brat, is there a Wizardworks beer that you'd recommend using? Yes. All right. Pale ale. All right. Sounds good. Perfect. We're going to put that one on our list because uh, once we get a couple more pricks in our arm, we'll be out there trying some of these. So we can't wait. Yeah. Awesome. It'll be great to see you. And then, last question we got for you other than your brewery, it can be anywhere in the United States. Is there another brewery or brewery tour you recommend our listeners go and check out? Well, one of mine is uh, the Half Door in San Diego. Okay, awesome. I haven't heard anything from California. I've actually gorgeous little brewery. It is tiny, tiny. I mean, it's so tiny that they brew their beer, but they have no room on site to store any of it. So they immediately take the kegs to storage off site when they need them. They have to go to the off site storage and bring them back. That's amazing. Wow. They, can, they converted a, um, a house, and uh, and they do. So it's got a big wraparound porch on it, and you go in. But this was. Uh, they converted a, a a fairly large house into their brewery, and we walked past their their brew house, and it kind of, and they were everything was so crammed in there. As we passed the door, the two people that were in there just kind of looked like we caught them doing something they shouldn't be doing. Like, ah! <laughs> but it, they Whoa. they were seriously brewing in a closet. <laughs> that's that's how, incredible. How many, how many barrel system do you think they have? I mean, what kind of a operation is this? It was tiny. It was um. It didn't look all that big, so I'm assuming it was five barrels or less. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was actually just going to say, too, so I was I was in San Diego not too long ago, and uh, I was actually at a bar called Coinop, and I think I saw them on the list. So Coinop is like a arcade bar where yeah. you play arcade all day and you drink beer, oh, basically. Nice. And I swear I saw that on tap. That's awesome. Which is really cool. Um, but, yeah, that's so cool, and I'm, I'm glad you chose one out of state. We um, will definitely make a, a trip out there. Oh, you better believe it. As beer connoisseurs, yeah. we will definitely check that out. 
But thank you so much for your time, uh, Jenny and Chris. We really appreciated your time today. And uh, we can't, we look forward to coming out there, maybe talking more beer and uh, maybe some more Wisconsin history with you. Fantastic. Yeah, drop us a line. Let us know when you're coming and we will be we will be ready. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home. home.